What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to my social life. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Kelly, and today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. And today is an episode of The Social Report. And The Social Report is a monthly podcast in conjunction with TrueFan, where we sit down and talk about some of the most interesting influencer marketing and social media news from the last month. Today, I am joined, as always, by TrueFan CMO, Karen O'Brien, and TrueFan advisor, Scott Birdie. Welcome back to the podcast. Yo. Thanks. My pleasure. I'm excited to have you both back. And where I want to start today, I want to start with Spotify. And I want to talk about Spotify for a couple of reasons. And the first thing that I want to talk about Spotify was about was Spotify is just the newest competitor to enter into the the clubhouse space. And they launched um, Spotify Green Rooms, which is essentially their version of Clubhouse. And the other thing that I wanted to talk about when it comes to Spotify was they just signed an exclusive podcast contract with um, Call Her Daddy, which is a very popular, we'll say relationships and dating podcast um, for $60 million over three years. So $20 million a year for three years. Um, so she's going to be exclusive to Spotify, which is just insane. I know it's not Joe Rogan numbers, but still when you consider the fact that she started her podcast only a couple of years ago and already it's that big. Um, but what I want to talk about when it comes to with considering these two pieces of news with Spotify launching green rooms now that you can you have the audio rooms on Spotify, Clubhouse, Twitter. I think Facebook is working on one. And when you look at the the podcast side, Call Her Daddy and as well as the Joe Rogan is also exclusive to Spotify. There's a number of other Spotify exclusive. I know there's other places that are signing exclusive podcast rights. My question, my I mean, there's a bunch of different ways to go with this, but one of the ones that I'm really curious about is the decentralization of the internet. I feel like I was talking to Scott before we jumped on here is you used to look at cable and people were cable cutting because they didn't want to have to pay for all the different channels. But now if you just look at streaming with a Netflix or, and you want to watch a specific movie, like you have to have Netflix, Hulu, Prime, um, Crave up here in Canada, HBO Max, I believe is, is like the equivalent in the States. And on the podcasting front, like if you want to listen to Joe Rogan now, you have to at least download Spotify. You don't need to pay for it, but there are many podcasts behind paywalls. So I'm curious what you think of kind of in, inspired by this, these, these announcements from Spotify is just the decentralization of the internet now is everything's kind of breaking apart and going behind paywalls on different websites. I mean, from my perspective with Green Room specifically, if anyone has permission to do something like that, I think it's Spotify. Marketers love Spotify. Um, and, you know, part of, I think, what made Clubhouse cool was going in there and seeing people that you thought you'd never get a chance to be in a room with, um, like celebrities, thought leaders, influencers. And Spotify definitely has the relationships and the portfolio and the pull to bring those people to the table. So I would say, you know, I'm excited to see what they do. As a marketer, I'm pretty sure that it's going to do well. Do we know if this is like a iOS and Android? I'm guessing. It's that's a good it question. Runs through the Spotify app. I, I think know. it might be a separate app. I could be wrong on that. Um, what do I have here? Yeah, it's a new mobile app from Spotify. Okay, I'm assuming maybe they they probably launched it on both then. Um, because initially I was also thinking, is Clubhouse still just on Apple or iOS? They just recently, within the last probably four or six weeks, came over to Android. Okay, that's good. Because, I mean, it, it's crazy, the timing and the competition that goes on. Like, I feel like had Spotify been able to do this, you know, maybe like two months ago, um, the the amount of users they probably could have snatched before Android users hopped, on, hopped onto Clubhouse would have been pretty substantial to kind of just continue to own that market share if you will considering 
like I sort of think about the the um, the battle between uh, Apple Podcasts and, and Spotify now for podcasting share or you know listenership, if you will. And I feel like they you know certainly have a lot of iPhone users, but probably own that Android market because natively, like I, I personally will use Apple Podcasts to listen to podcasts just because I have iPhones and like Apple products. So I don't know that that was just some like my head went there in terms of the decentralization. Um, everything's getting more expensive on the internet. I think like just more content or layers essentially um, just because of like how complex marketing is becoming and funnels are becoming. So like ungated versus gated content, like, you know, sort of blur there. Um, You look at like platforms like this, I sort of, to piggyback off of what Karen was saying, I immediately think about the strategy for music marketing and podcast marketing suddenly changing because like although you can link to stuff through uh, clubhouse and you know you have your bio and such there like there's sort of an integrated there must be some sort of integrated approach that spotify's added into the green room so that artists you know if you were to get on and say so like host a green room that you can naturally have some way to like promote your channel and like look for either more saves or more follows and something like that um equally for the podcasting side you know i think of like a 60 million dollar deal like that probably comes on the hinge of, hey, we're launching Green Room and we're going to expect that you're hosting like what would have potentially been club hosting or um, basically just becoming once a week Green Room so that like by virtue of doing that, you're also driving people into that ecosystem more and more and more. Like, I don't know. I mean, I mean, one thing really jumps out for sure is in the article you sent, being as the first time that I saw this, like I look at the picture and I was at first, I literally thought, wow, that's a green version of clubhouse um ultimately um so those clubhouse designers those poor people uh, men and women over there working probably months on like oh what is the you know like when somebody speaks like how is it engaging you know it's just like everything has probably been stolen and like welcome for clubhouse to what it's like to be a unicorn in the tech scene in 2021 everybody <laughs> follows suit <laughs> yeah no definitely i think with everybody following suit like for me I'm just, I don't know if burnt out is the right word, but like I have platform fatigue at this point. Like there's no way I'm going to download Clubhouse and Green Room. And like I haven't since Joe, I, I mean, I've never really been a call her daddy listener if I'm being completely honest, but it with Joe Rogan, like I would listen to him every once in a while before the Spotify deal. And now that he's on Spotify, I don't listen to Rogan at all because I just don't, I don't enjoy Spotify's user interface when it comes to podcasting. So I stick to my podcasting app and I didn't come over with that exclusive deal. So it's going to be interesting to see if Spotify seeing the value from these exclusive deals, because I don't think the entire audience is migrating over. Like I catch clips of Joe Rogan on YouTube because he still posts clips there, um, but not the full interviews. And like all the comments are just about how I haven't listened to a full episode since Spotify, like not the same since Spotify, like the community on YouTube is way better. There's no community on Spotify. And so it's just, I'm curious to see if these massive eight figure deals are going to keep happening if the audience migration isn't what they're expecting. I think Spotify is super, super poised to compete, like Karen said, um, in this space right now and could actually end up, you know, pretty significantly undercutting what would have been a massive continued valuation increase uh, on Clubhouse's side. Just the more you think about it, like there's a lot of advantages um, that they can probably offer people. And equally on the marketing side, I sort of think about like, remember when they came out with those uh, stats? And I think they were kind of first to market with that. Yeah, listenership. And they're kind of the dual sides for like listeners plus artists and how that just created crazy UGC. Um, they beat Apple 
if I'm not mistaken, to kind of doing that. And that was like a really, I mean, super tactical and like guerrilla marketing. And I think how they can kind of bring those uh, expertise to this platform and apply it there before Clubhouse really has wits around like what to do with all this data um, that they're probably ingesting right now. Like that could be a big benefit for them too. But anyway, super. Spotify did a great job of monetizing podcasts. They really did and building them up. And I think from their perspective, they could probably never have enough quality audio content. And so I think something like this is a great bet for them. What I would say, though, if I, if I looked at sort of the offering that they have, they also have something called Gems, which feels a bit like Twitch bits. Like basically you give gems to speakers that you like or, or people in rooms that you like. So they're kind of trying to gamify it a little bit, too, I think. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. And part of the announcement, I believe their work, they'll be introducing a creator fund for, um, for green rooms. So similar to the, this, the TikTok creator fund or YouTube's creator fund, like paying people to, to use the platform and when they get listeners and stuff like that. Kind of a smart brand name too, the green room. Yeah, no, I like it. Can I jump in on that notion for a second? I, I would almost wonder, you know, the more you continue to dominate this potential audio ecosystem or, or like if you can... I guess, position yourself in a place to dominate it like they're trying to right now. You know, would you maybe flip the script and look at backing some sort of actual coin, if you will, at a certain point, like uh, an entertainment, right? Like, not that there would be maybe a ton of like future use on, on an economical side, but to actually incentivize people to come back to the app. Like I think of an app called Buns, for example, that like launched in Toronto and it was like a, totally separate idea I and mean, it was focused on like commerce and bartering but people could get asked a question every single day and you get rewarded um to your point like bit you know these types of like things that right now are kind of used in this sense to like donate to creators but i mean if you really want to start owning the listenership side or the usership side like giving back to those users a little bit for listening more often and especially in a scenario where like people are going to start to spend like hours and hours and hours and hours on spotify listening to people talk and sing uh, or musicians right it's like man that, w- that could be something that you might see down the road in five to ten years like um be so powerful like i'd start using spotify if i got paid to do it sure my question with that is first from spotify's perspective like other than people i guess because i don't think you need a subscription to spotify to use green room so how do you monetize that like has clubhouse launched any monetization like you can't roll an ad over a live conversation right it's like how are they do you anyone have any idea how they're going to monetize this i'm sure it's advertising it's probably there's got to be advertising somewhere Mm mm-hmm Maybe like a pop-up when you try to, you have to wait like the 15 seconds before you can get into the green room or something like that. And you have to listen or but watch the ad. It is in itself an advertisement. Like, I mean, every, I don't know. Like, I just think about this, like, you know, it's a cycle that's bringing more people to Spotify, which inevitably is probably going to result in them listening to music over time on Spotify, you know, or, or podcast, either one. Well, I was going to say what they'll probably roll out, I would imagine, is make it a very easy process to have your green room recorded and upload as a podcast as soon as you're done, which then gets yeah. people to the Spotify app on the back end. Or you could even probably do with it being a green room. I mean, you could do um, like album, like listen parties and like artists could jump on green rooms and play their album and people could be there and they could, after each track, they could talk about it to the people in the green room and stuff like that. So I think there's I think ways. Of sports and entertainment all broadly, right? So like they could have sports like game watch parties and mm. 
yeah. think it could be way, 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 way extended. The possibilities. Yeah. Only the beginning. Yeah. 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 Scott, what do you got? Um, I put a little bit of, or I, I guess I brought a little bit of news to the table about the NFL. Um, they, over the past month, about a week ago from when we were recording this, uh, announced a, an official partnership with Diageo as the first ever spirit sponsor. And the reason I brought it up was not so much on like the partnership side, but a little bit more thinking about like, what does that mean for the future of kind of like partnership marketing, community marketing, influencer marketing, particularly for sports as well. Um, but like sort of looking at like a bit of the description behind you know, where they're going to be activating this partnership, if you will. Um, obviously on site. So there's, a, I think there's going to be that digital on site component as well as obviously experiential on site component where they're going to be tastings and all sorts of ways to maybe try drinks or engage with the actual brand. Um, and then it's also going to follow suit to broadcast digital social content um, right through to the Super Bowl. And the interesting part for Diageo is they can feature and sort of weave different brands um, into different types of campaigns or really all sorts of different storylines if you will um and i think coming off the back of nba i believe endorsed hennessy is like an official spirit sponsor which was again like one of the first spirit sponsors for the first time it's like one kind of another open door in the alcohol um, beverage space for potential cultural marketing and that community marketing so um yeah i just kind of wanted to open it up for conversation and you know, see what you thought of one that partnership and two um yeah, what this sort of means. Like I have some other questions, even on the note of, you know, this five, 10 years down the road, does that mean there'll be going cannabis sponsors potentially coming into play um, as that gets legalized? Like who knows what 20 years has. What surprises you about it? Cause I'm not surprised like large brands with big media budgets tend to be sports sponsors. So I'm not surprised, but this is the first ever spirit sponsor for the NFL. So it means that sports are actually opening the door up into, hey, one, we've got, you know, need for revenue, need for dollars um, because of probably still hurting from the COVID declining viewership. And then, of course, the declining viewership. So like they need to start activating, you know, as a brand NFL and the entity through their other channels more and more and more. So you start to see like the social and the digital components of this activation coming into play. you know, I just think about like, if I'm Diageo going further, starting to look at potential partnerships and sponsorships and then players to sort of weave and then integrate this right um, with the partnership side on the NFL into potentially content that's coming out on players accounts. Like, I just think in a cultural side of marketing, you know, are these types of partnerships that are just so highly integrated throughout digital and in-person experience kind of the key for brands as we come into this kind of post-COVID era, if you will, because stadiums are going to be, I'd imagine for NFL, full capacity when it kicks off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if I take a step back, put on my brand marketing hat, there's a bigger problem or opportunity with NFL, right? It's that they haven't fully embraced their players using social. And therefore, they haven't gotten the amplification that they and content that they could have had that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Unlike yeah, really. the NBA, who has fully embraced. Well, I think that. like NHL is probably even another, like similar <laughs> to this. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah. I mean, no judgment. It just is, it is the position that they have taken, right? But I think it, it hasn't helped their, it, when we're in a lockdown, it hasn't helped them. 
So when, if you're Diageo, you're going to want a lot of digital social activation with uh, somebody like the NBA mm-hmm. or the I N- mean, NHL. I was surprised that it was the first official because I feel like when it comes, I mean, I, I was thinking, I guess because it's spirit and not alcohol, right? Like beer. Beer has kind of been the long association. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, so it's interesting that it's taken this long, especially because I feel like working in, in sponsorships and partnerships, like you're very open to <laughs> different sponsorships. The more sponsorships you have, the more money coming in. Um, so I was definitely surprised that it was the first spirit sponsor ever. And to your question there, you mentioned there at the end about um, cannabis. I would not be shocked if five, 10 years for sure there's cannabis sponsors. Because I think a lot of players in all leagues would push for cannabis to be allowed like i've i've listened to spit and chicklets podcast which is um hockey specific podcast they've talking about trying to get marijuana off the banned substance lens because it's going public you're going um becoming legal everywhere and it's great for recovery it's or it's organic um whatever but i wouldn't be shocked if with right especially with players feeling more empowered to voice their opinions if we'd see the different leagues start to relinquish kind of their their stance on on marijuana Still a banned substance for players, though, isn't it? Even in places where it's legal. Yeah, no, it's still a banned substance. But you're hearing more so former guys talk about the fact that mm, it shouldn't be a banned substance. It's so right. good for that recovery, well. and yeah. you're right. not getting addicted to pills right. and right. different right. things like that. Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, the other component of this particular sponsorship that I thought of was um, how even for NFL, you know, when you spoke about declining viewership, Karen the european and i guess specifically like united kingdom that market has been of huge interest to them like the nfl and london exposure and i think this is also like on the back of that growing in stature in future years and them having even more involvement or opportunities to attend a game in london um so i think that i don't know if you know obviously the nfl can't be too too choosy and they did land diageo which is arguably probably the biggest um group out there but there's a kind of split advantage for NFL doing that. I think on a, when you look at like the cultural association with brands of that nature out there, like in United Kingdom and in places of, around Europe, um, where like if you're the NFL and you're trying to reach a certain audience, actually associating yourself with that brand in that market um, is kind of going to tighten ties, if you will. I think like I, I know one or two people that are friends of mine who like do watch NFL and are from the UK. And they're definitely, they sort of fit within that audience. Like I could definitely see them as the spirit drinker and somebody who would be getting down with one of those types of drinks, like during a game, a gin or something. I've used, uh, not to like, you know, sort of be promotional, but I've used the True Fan tool to look at the audiences of the Diageo portfolio brands. And there is a absolute strong um, link between sports and entertainment and those brands. Hmm. A lot of people who follow Diageo brands also follow a lot of big sports and entertainment brands. Strong move by the NFL. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think it's a great sponsorship. But we'll see where it goes. What other audiences you want to chat about today there, Karen? Well, um, you know, we love niche audiences at TrueFan, so we've been digging into some niche audiences for the summer. We drove, dove into the barbecue audience globally. Uh, what was really interesting is, you know, it's a very small niche audience as far as marketers go. We looked at about 2.8 million profiles and kind of used the top grill brands as a proxy for that and some influencers. But 
Um, I think unsurprisingly, we found out it was 75% male, 78% English speaking, mostly um, US based. Um, but some interesting sort of crossovers between um, health, fitness, and culture. So, for example, we found that um, there was a huge correlation between what I would call sort of lifestyle eaters, people who were like weight, the weightlifting, you could argue meathead crowd, like definitely <laughs> are posting about barbecue a lot, um, mostly, you know, in terms of like things like paleo or keto or, you know, even um, carnivore kind of diets. But then the other kind of interesting thing was vegans and vegetarians are barbecuing a lot, barbecuing vegetables. So maybe it's just people who like good food. I don't know. But I thought it was quite interesting. And then you also have sort of the body conscious people, which range from like, I'm super fit, therefore I, I eat barbecue to the I I am living my best life, embracing my body the way it is, and I eat whatever I want and everything in between. So I thought that was kind of interesting. We also saw a strong correlation between, um, we would call it speedy kind of uh, you know, focus, like NASCAR, Harley Davidson, also uh, country music. So I'm painting a picture here, I think, of a very specific, stereotypical kind of barbecue person. <laughs> But it was real, you know, that's what we found. So if you're interested in seeing more about, you know, the barbecue enthusiast uh, and that niche audience, you can download our report and check it out. But I, I think it's a very interesting thing to look at these niche audiences and see what comes up. I'm curious from your perspective, Karen, when you look at the previous two reports before this one, it was the gaming audience and the the basketball audience, which are huge audiences. So does a, the niche audience, does that make the insights more actionable just because it's a more manageable group of people? And you talk about 2.8 million versus I think the, the basketball one, correct me wrong, but I was like over a hundred million people, right? So it's like, it does because to your point, the riches are in the niches. Does it, because it's a smaller audience, make it easier to action upon and just the, the scale of the previous two? I mean, there's definite advantages of going into niche audiences and you'll find even large brands do at some level and some of the marketing they do go into sub-segments or niches within their larger audiences. But I would say that, um, you know, going into niches, basically it's less competitive. You can become an expert on that customer. You can have very tailored, personalized messages that could perform better. There's just a lot of advantages to focus overall, I would say. But like I said, every single large brand would have niche audiences. Even Nike would have, you know, niche audiences. The woman who does this kind of sport in this way, in these regions that likes these kind of products, you know, it, you can go down, down, down. So I think that's super interesting. It is a really cool audience to look at. Like, I mean, you brought up the uh, the vegetarian audience, sort of um, having correlation with the group that you were you were analyzing. And um, it, I don't know. I wouldn't have first thought of that, but it, it is kind of cool to have those insights as a marketer to think that, like, you know, the spectrum of if you were looking at you know, influencer marketing and partnership as an opportunity um, and the content strategy that you might. Um, start to think about like you could go as far wide as like you were talking about an influencer who's a nascar driver you could probably take it down the route of like uh i don't know somebody that i would look at like a jamie foy and skateboarding is an example like a pro skateboarder um and then you could literally take it in the direction of like i audience that i really wouldn't have pictured but 
where you could probably have the most opportunity to gain market share, arguably, which is like potentially a bit more of a female dominated audience. Um, and, and speaking to vegans or vegetarians about like recipe options and those types of things that don't involve meat, but do involve a barbecue. And I think getting to like, why, like there, there could be some super emotional moments that you could capture that are mixed with like, you know, that taste and that kind of feeling that you get when you try certain foods for the first time. Um, cause I would agree. I mean, like I love if you, if you have one of those little barbecue trays or whatever, and you put like tons of a mix of like peppers, um, grilled veggies, yeah, nothing all, better, like, zucchini and stuff like that in there. Oh, so yeah, so good. Our writer Brian said these are the five people you probably meet at a barbecue, and he's right. I mean, barbecue does bring everyone together on some level, but it is also a very North American focused kind of cultural phenomenon. I know people in Ireland who had to order a barbecue from Germany because they couldn't find one after they'd experienced barbecue in the United States. And then basically like order the barbecue from Germany. It came in that invited everybody into their backyard. They all sat around the barbecue and like waited for burgers and, you know, hot dogs. But like they sat there with their plates and really didn't know what to do. Like, I think it's just sort of a, it's like the equivalent of going to the pub in the UK or like, you know, it's, it's the way that North Americans kind of socialize outdoors with family and friends yeah, people connect over food like you said yeah and, and even differently when you look at like different types of barbecue or i guess ways to cook meat like um i think they're like hawaii you know where they'll they'll like put it in the what's that like the cauldron type thing or something like that but don't forget about australia when you're talking about barbecues you know they love a good barbecue it's and like, korean barbecue yeah yeah oh korean barbecue yeah when those places yeah. reopen i hope that they do soon <laughs> oh my god it's, that's so sad. No, but one of those that were like extra affected, the experience is not the same as like if I order Korean barbecue for takeout versus like you go to sit down and you have that nice like yeah. fresh kind of cook the meat in front of you feel. Oh. I'd love to hear from listeners though, if there's niche audiences that they would like us to look at, we're always happy to do so. So super anything croc croc wares might be really interesting to look at. <laughs> True. That's the time. That's the, tis the season. Mm-hmm. you mentioned there how with even nike with kind of breaking down their own audience into different into different niches and kind of to call back to the basketball report from from may you talk we talked about how the the WNBA is just there are some kind of untapped trendsetters that people aren't giving them the credit um jordan brand this was what yesterday just announced they made history they partnered with 11 emergent WNBA players so just wow. your point in tapping into the niches so michael jordan they did a shoot with michael jordan and 11 of these WNBA stars and rising stars um to work with with jordan brand um which i think is awesome and again it's it's niche right now but i think the WNBA is only going to grow and grow and grow so i think it could could be a niche right now but this could be a long-term play from jordan that they're kind of getting it early that as this league continues to grow in prominence that it's only going to become more more broad but it's niche for, for the time being i mean for personal reasons i love to see the WNBA rising mm-hmm. love it yeah i mean yeah absolutely and sneaker culture should absolutely be a part of it if they're setting trends like i think a women have notoriously had to basically wear like not men's sneakers, but sneakers that were his, like made for men over the course of time. And uniforms. And it's it was like, crazy. Yeah. Uniforms as well. So, I mean, make some like dope ass kicks for women that are actually setting trends. And, and that way women will have something to go to the store and be like, Oh, like so-and-so wears that and not refer to, you know, like the guy NBA player, like the guy in this sport. Um, 
you need more of that. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Biggest takeaways. The riches are in the niches. Absolutely. That's a takeaway. But no, I want to thank you both. A shorter episode for you, for people listening. Shorter episode this week. We'll be back with a full full episode next month. Uh, keeping it short, just, you know, things get busy at this time of year. You know, we got Canada Day, July 4th. Everyone's cramming to get all their work done before that. Plus, uh, for me, to be honest, I'm a big fan of England football and their kickoff is in 20 minutes from now. So I want to make sure I have time to edit this and everything before that game kicks off. Man, um, Euro no. finishing up, like I guess in the next few weeks, Olympics are kicking off probably before we record the next mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. It's a lot of busy time. But no, but thank you both for taking time to be on the podcast. Thank you for listening to this, whether you're listening the entire way through or you're only listening to bits and pieces. I really appreciate you taking time to check this out. Do me a big favor, go and follow Karen and Scott. I'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below so you can find it. I will also link links to all the stories that we talked about today. If you want to download the barbecue audience report, that'll be down there as well. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon. Mm-hmm.